Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. I'm Andrew Dewhurst. As always, I'm joined by Chris Murray. How are you doing, Chris? I am doing well, Andrew. All right. Good to hear. Uh, you survived the uh, the game, the, the Montreal-Vegas game yesterday. Wasn't uh, too much of a heart attack. No, I've stopped crying. It's good. Now it's just <laughs> now it's just expectation. Now it's just like that's how it's supposed to go, right? Like that first period is not how things happen. That was like that was a unicorn, right? Doesn't exist. And then the second and third period is the Montreal Canes we all know and love from this season. That's the type of team that we should be expecting more often than not. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and, and for reference, anyone who's not aware, uh, they, Montreal has shot Vegas 20 to 1 in the first period, uh, up, scored two goals, and lost 5 to 2. So uh, we'll get that out of the way. Uh, moving on, though. Um, because you are uh, going going to be away for the next, uh, well, over next Sunday, um, you have the waiver article up already this week. So um, who are you liking on waivers this week? I mean, I went straight for, you know, the talent that is there. Um, for whatever reason, I don't, this one kind of caught me off guard, but Mackenzie Blackwood is under 60% owned on, in some Yahoo leagues. He's 58% owned. And I was just kind of sh- like looking like my kind of like my dog sometimes tilts his head to the left and is like, what are you doing? And that was my same reaction here. Like, you know, Blackwood's a good goalie. Devils, I think, are a decent team. It's going to be tough in their division to keep up. But I mean, I don't know why we're why he's not at least 80% owned, even in like shallow leagues. It doesn't make sense why he's not where he should be. He's going to get healthy. He's that, that net is probably his, right? I don't think Jonathan Bernie really challenges him very much for it. And I mean, to me, it seems like it's a, it's an absolute hit there. Um, the other player that kind of jumped out a little bit here. And I, I think the whole world has kind of forgotten about him is Sean Monahan. Um, I don't know yet if Sean Monaghan has become not good, right? Like, is he no longer good at hockey or is he just struggling, right? Because, like, he's got points now in, like, his last three games or something, right? Or he's got four in the last four. And he's yeah. shooting the puck a lot more, which is kind of different for Monaghan, right? Because you don't think of him as the shooter. You usually think of him as the guy who just, you know, is is there, right? He facilitates the play. He's kind of a cheaper version of Evgeny Kuznetsov, if you want. Um, But he's playing fourth-line minutes, so I don't know. Like, what are you expecting out of him, right? Like, you're putting him on the fourth line and saying, hey, you're not doing anything. And then at the same time, you're saying, well, you know, he's playing with, you know, right now, Daily Faceoff has him with Brad Richardson and Trevor Lewis. Like, what are you expecting to gain (laughs) out of this? You know, is Dylan Dubé and Michael Backlund a lot better than him? I don't, I don't know. I understand the, you know, the logic of wanting to use Elias Lindholm in the middle. I think he's earned that spot. You know, he's playing with Gajou. He's playing with Gajou. who scored an unreal goal here. Yeah. Um, I just don't like. It's it's hard to justify having him on the top power play unit if you think he's so bad that he has to be on the fourth <laughs> line. Like, are you good or are you not? Right. Yeah. Like, 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 what's going on here? It's not like even like. I mean, this makes me feel like the Montreal Canadiens from last year where Corey Perry is on the top line, right? But he's on the fourth line. 
He's, he's sorry, top power play unit, fourth line minutes. Yeah. You're saying, okay, well, like you're telling me there's nobody else in those, you know, on those three other lines who can do something for you. Like, I just, I think Sean Monahan is a better player than he's playing right now. I think he can definitely at least work his way up into the top six, which is, I, and even if he's a third line center, which is still not terrible, but not ideal. Like, it's still a decent spot for him. And let's not forget as well, A, he's 27, right? So he's a year younger than Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, he's also collecting $6.3 million for another two years. So, I mean, six six point three for another two years for a player that you're, I don't know, burying on the fourth line. Like, if you kind of want to bring that trade value up, he's got to do something, right? You, you got to put him in a spot where something's going to happen here. Um, yeah, I, I at wonder. It's going to happen. Yeah, I wonder in that case if that is not like Daryl Sutter, like trying to like. I don't know what the message would be. He would be trying to get through, but like, he's essentially like while playing on the fourth line, giving you second to third line minutes depending on the night, right? Because of the power play time. Right, but you like, anchored him with Trevor Lewis and Brad Richards. Right. Like, what are you expecting him to do? Like, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. those guys are, you know. Five bottom. on five. Five on five, you're not going to expect anything. Nothing. But, Nothing. but uh, you know, if he can continue to just make good on the power play, then, yeah, you're fine, right? And it's probably the reason why his shots are up, because who else, like, who else in that line is going to shoot? Like, they're going to Everyone on that line is going to be like, oh, yeah, I guess you should be shooting. Like, you used to play, like, you played 18 minutes a night. That's your average across your career. So, yeah, yeah, you shoot. We'll just hang out and check people because we're on the fourth line. That's what we do. Those so, are the like, two that kind of stood out for me, looking at them and saying, hey, you know, Monaghan was basically under 30% on ESPN and Yahoo. So he's he's there and I feel like again volume and fantasy hockey is key right you want to see players playing and you want to see them shooting to me those are the two most important things I want to see you on the ice and I want to see you attempting to put the puck towards the net because if you're not doing that well then even if you have points it doesn't make a difference right like you're right are are you good or are you lucky and I think for now Sean Monaghan's in a position where you know, he's he's seeing that ice time. He's in a good situation, right? Top power play minutes is always, you know, or at least I feel is a privilege, but here he is getting them. And he's shooting the puck on goal. I'm not expecting him to, you know, fire the puck four or five times on goal. I'm, I'm not expecting him to hit the DK shot bonus every time he plays. But, I mean, if he's doing that more, and coincidentally he's starting to collect some points, well, you know, they both go together, right? And if he can continue that, you know, maybe he moves up in the lineup and even, you know, put him in a good space. You know, Andrew Mangiapane kind of needs some help here. I think maybe he can balance it out. They went out, they gave Blake Coleman some money, and I don't I don't see Blake Coleman earning a dollar of that horrendous long-term six-year deal that he's earned so far. <laughs> like, he's got four points in ten games, and he's, I mean, he's just standing around doing nothing here. This is a This is coming from a player with a career-high 36 points and we're giving him six-year deals so you know maybe we want to get those players going you know maybe i don't know i I just feel like calgary needs to get something going here 
because where they are in the standings is not a fair representation of what this team is. Like this is this is basically Jacob Markstrom standing on his head, dragging this team to where they are. Because in no way do I look at this team, right, and say, yeah, you should be second in the Pacific Division. Again, I understand the Pacific Division is a trash can, but like there's seven, one, and three here, right? Yeah, like, that, that doesn't thing, make sense. The thing you were not going to see in the score sheet with Calgary is that they are just hitting everything all the time. Yeah. Like Mangiapani in the game last night against the Rangers just like turned, looked at uh, Ryan Reeves and just, just, just took his swings, punched him right in the face. Didn't care. Yep. And that's just kind of been like what the Flames have been doing. They've just been going out, being really physical and just taking it to teams and wearing them down. So like, that's just who they've been. Uh, They've also only given up 22 goals, right? Right. They've given up 22 goals in 11 games. There's one team coming into tonight who has given up fewer goals than them, and that is the St. Louis Blues. They also have a plus 18 goal differential. So, again, I feel like I'm looking at those numbers and I'm looking at this lineup going, wait, what? Like, that doesn't, to me, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like, even their defense, like, sure, Chris Tanev is a, you know, decent you know, defensemen and say Erica Branson and Nikita Zadorov are just big bodies now. Rasmus Anderson is probably their best. Noah Hannafin is existing, but n- like this team to me just doesn't look very skilled, doesn't look very good. They don't look like a team that has, you know, scored 40 goals and have only given up 22. That's not what they look like. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of that, like, I agree. I mean, there's definitely some scoring regression that should be coming there, right? Like, I like Mangiapane, but he's not going to score 30 goals. Not 35, right? Kind of the same with um, Lindholm, right? Like, two guys scored a whole bunch of goals. All right, but, like, how long is that going to happen? And then when are you going to get the inevitable, like, Flames can't score any goals streak? Right. So, and at some point it's going to like at some point it's going to show up like it's 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 not a question of. Well, yeah, sure. it's a question it of when. Forever. Right? Like forever. Elias Lindholm is shooting 21 percent like at some point, you know, he's going to regress to his career 11. Right. Like it's it's coming. We just don't know when and when some of these players start to regress. Now we're going to see, you know, the real. Calgary Flames in action, right? Like Andrew Mangiapane has seven goals on 23 shots. That's 30%. Like these are un, like you can't sustain these numbers, right? Mind you, Mangiapane shooting about 16% for his career, but even that, like he's like take half of those goals away at some point. Like it's going to be a struggle for Calgary at that point, especially if the rest of those, you know, high-priced players don't necessarily pick up the slack at that point. Yeah, I mean, like, from a shooting percentage, like, uh, Matthew Kachuk's got six goals. He's shooting 13.6%. Makes sense. Yep. Nothing looks crazy there. He's career 12.6, certainly in line. 
Johnny Goudreau does exactly what Johnny Goudreau does, which is passes the buck a lot. Um, but he's scoring 12 point on 12.9 percent of shots. Okay, nothing crazy there. Like Lucic has scored 22 percent. Chris Tanna scored an 11 percent. Like there's just some of these numbers yet where it's like this won't continue. Um, but I mean, I think in that division, Calgary's going to be fun, right? They can come yeah, out for sure. It's the Pacific Division. It's so bad at literally everything. Yeah, at least for another three, four months, right? Yeah. Like, it'll it'll be interesting to see what that division looks like come January, right? Like January, probably after the Olympic break, right? When Vegas likely then has their brand new first line, whatever that actually ends up looking like, right? Got Eichel's like some combination of potentially Eichel Stone and Pacioretty. Um, Even just getting any one of those three into the lineup would be like, you know. Yeah. Well, like a big prog- upgrade. The the prognosis on like Eichel's return is that he could be back in December, like January. Like the, the recovery time on, on the disc replacement or the, yeah, the disc replacement surgery isn't as long as you'd expect. So, Apparently, it's about three months, which is yeah. what, from my understanding, there was a prominent UFC fighter who got it, which is where, was. Right. where he was referring, you know, to Chris most Weidman, of his, I believe. Yeah. Yes, Chris Weidman. Uh, so he's the one who got it, right? And I mean, UFC is pretty physical sport, right? So, yeah. I mean, he, from my understanding of it, like he recovered pretty well. His strength came back immediately. The rehab wasn't too bad. He said he was back in like where he should have been in three months right doctors probably always play a little bit more conservative and say hey you know probably five and and everybody's body is different right um so again if he gets his surgery he's supposed to get it relatively soon right there's still i guess they're trying to find out i don't know who's going to do it or where or whatnot but once he gets that if he does november you're looking what february early Uh, assuming everything goes as it should yeah if he was to get it in this week right which is not probably not crazy i'm sure they know who's doing the surgery at this point in time um yeah i mean what december well basically yeah december january be back sometime in february mark early early march to be conservative right and you're gonna have like a you know what a three-week layoff in in the nhl season with the the olympic right so like he's gonna get Half the half season of hockey. He's, he, he could get that, again, depending on how that recovery goes. And I don't know if, like, I, I have a feeling Vegas is going to play this extremely cautiously and say, hey, like, you'll sit here until we hear that, you know, you're physically 100%. Like, it, I think it was, yeah. like, Vegas understands, I guess, the risk that they were taking on by saying, hey, we'll let the player elect to take his surgery and, you know, whatever, you know, he wants and we'll back it up and, you know, yada, 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 yada. But, yeah. you know, they paid for it. They're also on the hook for that money. You know, they sent players the other way. Like, I'm I'm sure they're sitting there saying, okay, well, now, like, you know, we want to know 100% then that you're going to be fine and this isn't going to be a lingering issue. Because the last thing you want is for this to in any way turn out to be not what it should have been. And then you hear the Buffalo Sabres yell, see, I told you so. And then, you know, that opens up a whole bunch of other well, problems. So. 
I mean, to be fair though, right? So like, if Eichel go Eichel goes gets surgery, he's theoretically back in, we'll say March, right? Give give an extra like month in there. You know what you have by March. Like, I don't under, ever understand what Buffalo was doing. Like, they could have just said like, "Hey, Jack, go get the surgery." He goes, gets it. You know, three months later, four months later. He's like, hey, guys, I still don't feel good. Or he goes out, plays plays a couple games, gets checked. He's like, yeah, my neck's, my neck's no good. And then they go back and do hit, do the surgery the Sabres one. Like, and then I, he's we, I mean, it's such, a, it's such a tough. Like, from my understanding, in the CBA, and this I did not know, teams have the final say on what players' right. surgery they're going right. to get, which I think is... Like, that's wild when you think about it. Like, think about your employer dictating your life, right? And Jack Eichel's interview that he did with Elliot Friedman was kind of eye-opening, right? Like, you think about players, their bodies. Like he says, he has to live with this the rest of his life. And I guess he kind of pushed into it. And this opens up a whole other box here of now players going, hey, wait a minute. Like, you know, this is my body. And I do believe he should have the choice to do what he wants with that body. I understand the team is, you know paying money and stuff and they have you know doctors and whatnot but like from from a stance on it especially with everything that the nhl has gone through like don't tell me nhl teams care about their players some of them do but at the end of the day you know it's a business it's run as a business yeah and that's how it is so i think it's interesting to kind of see how maybe this happens for other players because i think this is the first one where it, like it's jack eichel it's not like some dude you know playing in the ahl gets you know team says hey you're doing this or you know we'll relegate you like this is jack eichel standing his ground to the point where the buffalo Sabres said okay we'll move you you know we'll, we, we stripped you of your captaincy we'll move you for whatever we can get i guess and they still got a decent package i think and then now you know th- i mean like what's and how does this put the buffalo sabers in light like imagine you're a player and you're, you know, let's say you're, you know, in free agency coming up, right? The next offseason. Yeah. Like, how would you feel now knowing that if you go to this team and you get hurt, which is highly probable because hockey is a contact sport, like, how are you going to feel if you knew that they wouldn't let you choose what you wanted and they were willing to let their captain kind of just leave them out there to dry a little bit and then have this kind of open public feud? Right. Like, yeah, I, I think it's a I mean, I think this is probably. A very like this is something that's negotiated in the CBA, like you talk about the CBA about money, like what's going to happen yeah. in the next CBA where players are saying, hey, maybe we'll move, you know, away from a little bit of money or whatnot. But, you know, we want to decide what we're doing, like how are, you know, teams going to start saying, well, you know, and again, from a team's perspective, think about it, you're paying all this money. Right to a player, you you think, or at least your your hope is that your medical team is on point and what they recommend is the best. And when players start seeking second and third opinions, well, that's where you start to get a little bit murky. And I mean, good for, again, good good for Jack Eichel for standing up for himself and saying, "Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to stick to it, and you know, do it or don't. Send me somewhere else." I also think he wanted out of Buffalo, so that kind of works out for everybody <laughs> in the same way, right? <laughs> Buffalo maybe yeah. wanted, you know played a little bit of hardball with him and he says, you know what, just get me out of here and I'll be happier. And he's going to Vegas. I mean, that's not just, yeah, that's you know, his, yeah, like that's he's leaving it. Buffalo, which is an absolutely terrible city. My apologies to the people of Buffalo, but not it, bro. And I mean, he's going to Vegas. So I don't think I'll run into Jack there. Uh, this coming up, coming week. That's unfortunate, but 
um, it definitely, you know, much different going from playing with who he was playing with um, to going probably straight to the top line with Stone and Pajaretti. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no bet, right? Like, it's, it's as good a situational upgrade as Eichel could have hoped for. Um, the Calgary thing was, in a lot of ways, really, like, when you see the actual deal that happened, it was laughable. There was no like, way that deal was on right. the table. Can't That's be. right. Yeah, exactly. There was no way that, and There's I think no Matthew, Matthew Kachuk confirmed it. I think uh, in an interview yesterday, he said, yeah, I was like, I don't think that deal ever existed. I think they were just throwing that name out there to, like, get to... to maybe get somebody leaked something to try to see if, you know, maybe Vegas bites a little bit. But if that deal's on the table, even, like, you know, you talk about a, you know, a prominent player, like, Kachuk is much better than uh, oh, Alex yeah. Tuck. But, you know, a like, top-end prospect, you know. Kirk's yeah. fine. And then, you know, yes, they're collecting picks, but that the haul that Calgary was apparently willing, like, there's no way, or maybe <laughs> it was, had, I mean, this is a win for Buffalo as well. They retain no money. And I think that's an important right. part. I think other teams were in if Buffalo was willing to hold some dollars here. And I don't think Buffalo is, that they just wanted to rid this and say, hey, look, we want all this money gone. We don't want to deal with him anymore. And we don't want to pay it. Like, they don't want to strap themselves to anything, right? A team that also doesn't spend very much money anymore, you know, billion-dollar yeah. owners, but this team's not good, so why would you? Well, and, yeah, right. And, like, the nice part about the deal with Vegas is that Tuck is making a pretty good amount of money for a decent term. Yeah. So, like, he'll help them keep at the cap floor until they're ready to spend again, uh, should that day ever come. But, um, yeah, I mean, all, all in all, it was... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how all that, how all that stuff plays out. But. Like, on paper, I mean, Vegas wins, right? They didn't necessarily give up any, you know, top prospect, per se. And I don't think this was the interesting part for Vegas. Like, Vegas, either they trade their first-round picks that they have or they trade the players they've taken. Yeah. And, I mean, if I told you and said, hey, in the next three to four years, you're going to trade, you know— you're you're gonna trade all these players that you've drafted first overall, right? Brandstrom, mm-hmm. Suzuki, Curbs. You're gonna trade all these guys, and your haul in return is gonna be Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, and Jack Eichel. You make the trade, and everybody 100%. would say, "Yeah, hundred percent." Yeah, and that's what they've gone out and done. And like, there's a reason outside of their first year that they entered the NHL, which was just mind-boggling that they were able to do that. Like, they've come into the league and they've been competitive every <laughs> single year. And you think of some of the deals and some of the signings that they've gone out to do. Like, they acquired Robin Leonard. He was, like, just a goalie going over. And now he's, you know, we knew he was good. You know, he's had some situations where the team hasn't helped him here. But, you know, he's a good goalie. You know, they go out and they acquire Alec Martinez for, like, two second-round picks. Huge, huge pickup for them. Same thing for Shea Theodore. They Ducks basically said, hey, please take him. Yeah. All right, the Petrangelo deal will be what it is, but I mean, yeah, I mean, even every, if you went and looked at the, um, it's just so many people are like champion, like all oh, rebuild and this, like Vegas has come out and said, like they remind me of the Penguins. When was the last time the Penguins had a first round pick? I feel like every yeah. year they just <laughs> traded away. 
Yeah. I mean, Jim Rutherford would just give them away. They ne- like Penguins didn't have to show up for day one of the draft. It was like an annual thing that they just wouldn't be there. Right. And you have some other teams that are just collecting picks and they just never get better. Right. So, I mean, good for good for Vegas. They they, they take those assets. Right. I feel like they take, you know, the projection of what could be and they go out and they just get talent. Pure players are approving themselves and say, hey, let's do this. And again, their cap situation is what it is, but they'll yeah. find some analytics guy to just figure it out and maybe jack eichel you know they take it easy and say hey man you're gonna stay here and heal as much as possible until maybe we get to the playoffs and then you know we'll pull a nikita kucherov and we don't have to worry about the cap anymore because as of right now there's no other like vegas has the highest cap hit yeah no no other team has a higher cap hit than the vegas golden knights uh montreal is second by the way which is absolutely laughable at this point um just laughable but vegas has gone out they've spent money They've made their team good, and they've done it not via the draft per se, but via making probably some of the best hockey trades that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, even at this point, if you looked at the Pacioretty deal, right? Like, if you're Vegas, I think you still, like, yeah, Nick Suzuki looks like a good player, no doubt. But, like, I think you still make that trade for where that team is situated, right? Like. Like, um, it was a win-win for both sides. Thomas Tatar was, right. you know, good on this side. He he gave Montreal what he needed to. Nick Suzuki gave them, you know, top-line center material. You can have a trade that ends up being, you know, a win-win. And even if one team wins a little bit more than the other, that's fine. But in like in the end, you know, even the deal for you know Mark Stone wasn't, you know, Ottawa got stuff in return. You know, not yeah. I mean. It's that not deal. it's not Suzuki and whatnot. And we'll see, <laughs> like I said, for Buffalo what that ends up being, what those picks are. Yeah. But I mean, Vegas has gone out and has acquired players that make them a better hockey team. They have three players current uh, three forwards, right, on their team that have been there since the expansion draft, right? William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, and Will Carrier. A, a a ton of other players have come through just just I think trades. Riley Smith was there as well, but yeah, Riley Smith was actually a trade. So, right, that was that was my thought too. Oh, like, sorry. Same thing with Shea Theodore. They the, these were basically trades. Where, I mean, I I can never forget this, right? Because I think it was Riley Smith and Jonathan Marceau were both Florida Panthers. They were, yeah. And they said, "Hey, take Marceau, and we'll give you like Riley," and they're like, "Okay," and then they ended up with Riley and Marceau, and you're like. Cool. I think it was the same thing uh, for Shea Theodore. Because Shea Theodore was a trade. They said, hey, take Shea Theodore and take, I don't know, whoever else exists. Yeah. But everything outside of that, most of it has been a sign or a trade. They haven't, there's very few players on that team right now who are, let's say, players who they've drafted. Yeah, right? they've got, uh, what, Nicholas Haig. That's, was a draft that's the only pick. one on defense. You go. Brent, yeah. They've got a few at forward, but that's just because they're so like thin. Yeah, the, the, those are yeah, they're AHLers, right? Who are up yeah. because they, you know, they need bodies. <laughs> they yeah. just need bodies. But if not, the rest of that team is just built via sign, you know, signed and traded players. So yeah, I mean, you don't have to wait for the, you know, you don't have to wait for the draft to be good. NHL teams go out there and do something. Let's go. 
I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm specifically looking at Mark Bergevin. Like, I'm tired of listening to the <laughs> picks that he's going to get and the retooling, right? Never rebuilding, retooling, and then watching yeah. him just go out and do stuff and be like, hey, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and I mean, like, essentially, if acquiring Jack Eichel ensures that they can kind of continue down this road, right? Yeah. Provided Eichel comes back and he's the player that he was before. Which is a big if right now, right? And that there's no, like, long-term issues, right? That it's not, like, three years from now he needs a different surgery and then it's another surgery. But, like, when you have, like, because that's why Pittsburgh's been able to do this forever, right? It's like, okay, yep, well, you know what? We got Crosby and Malkin and we can piece the rest together by trading our first-round picks to get a player from some team that's bottom-dwelling that year. Okay, that works. Like tried and true at this point. Um, but I mean, like in Vegas's case, yeah. Like when you can end up getting, like you look at Chandler Stevenson. Yeah, like, it was I a think fifth got, round pick, and I think they got him off waivers. Like I think it was, think it was waived by the they had sent They had sent something to. Um, they had sent something to fifth, Washington. Fifth Sorry, yeah, fifth rounder. So it was free. It was something like that. And I again, because I looked back on it, and I was like, how like how did they get to where they get like today? Like what happened? Right. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, they just they, they went out and they just like they've they they gave away I I mean Cody Glass, whatever he becomes is whatever he becomes, right? Uh right, with no yeah, like, right. I mean, it's maybe that's just one of those picks that doesn't work out. Same thing maybe for Nolan Patrick. Maybe it's just, you know, you swap players in situations that don't work out and whatnot. But they've gone out and they've, you know, they've built a really good hockey team, right? You think of back back in, you know, to last year, they used Toronto to help retain some money on Leonard so they could get him on this end. They They did a lot of things that they needed to do to put themselves in this position. And again, that is all that is it, it's it's something to watch how this team has gotten to where they are because they are they've been competitive right out of the gate. There's no sob story. They don't look like the Arizona Coyotes who have been rebuilding for, I mean, however long they've been in Arizona now, like they they look like a team and they're not afraid to get rid of some, you know, picks that they have so that they can win or at least try to win or be competitive however long that window is right if their window starts to close i'm assuming it you know they maybe got another two years before you know this team starts to age and you know players need some more money and you know max patch contracts coming up he's got two more years and then you know something's got to happen so yeah just yeah for vegas the only thing i i uh i mean the biggest concern for vegas right now is ultimately like, yeah, you're winning games, which is great. Like, I mean, I guess huge kudos to like Pete DeBoer winning winning games with with all the injuries that they've had. Um, you know, four of your top six players, right? Four of your top top six forwards. Um, but like, man, when like they're not going to be able to make any trades moving forward, right? No. Like. Well, actually, you know what? That's going to largely depend because they've got 
Stone, Patch Ready, and Eichel all, all in long-term IR. So they're getting like essentially money back every day that they're on there. So they may have some money, or it may like just be like really close. But like if you look at Tampa, right? If you're using them as the gold standard, that team was really good and really tough to beat the playoffs because they can roll three lines. Right. Vegas is not like they're not gonna have that type of depth. And Which like, has been their Achilles heel, right? Because right. we've seen it will, teams that can win and right. they all have a good third line. They all do, right? That's Same right. thing with Tampa Bay. They had a that, that there's you need depth. Look at every single team that's won a Stanley Cup. Their third line has been good. And that's yep. why Montreal did so well last to, for them, it was their fourth line, right? Eric Stahl, Perry, and Armia. I mean, they were unstoppable at times. And I think that's the biggest thing for Vegas, like you said, is is their depth. They need, like, they've gone out to get some pieces, but they need these pieces to start, you know, that's put their big boy pants on. They, they got to get to work. That's right. Yeah, like, for their playoff success, like, that top line, the top two lines have to be, like, they have to be there every night. Correct. No, top, you know, your top two lines got to be your top two lines. Your third line's got to be, I mean, real close. I'm talking yeah. solid. They show up. They give you that depth that you need. Your fourth line exists, you know, because defensively, I don't think there's an issue there. That's fine. Their goaltending is fine. But, I mean, we saw it last year. When, when their offense stopped scoring, they they were no good. They, nothing happened. Yeah. When, you know, Pacioretty couldn't find the back of the net. When Stone couldn't find the back of the net. This team... Didn't go anywhere. Their secondary scoring was nowhere to be found. Thank God the blue line kept them somewhat alive when they shouldn't have been. Um, but no, that like that's that's for sure 100 percent an issue, right? They're good that they're not going to have room to add pieces, right? That hashtag grit that coaches love to talk about and character and whatever other word you want to use. Yeah. So they need the players that are there to be the support, right? The Nicholas sure. Roy's of the world, right? Matthias Jan Marks. Like you need these players to step it up. Same thing with like, you know, players like Evgeny Dodonov, right? I mean, what has he done since coming over here? He's done nothing. Um, he's done something. Like I don't yeah, think he's, he's been that bad. I, I mean, he's got four points, 11 games. I don't see him. There's a perfect opportunity here for him to do something here. And it's just not happening. Like considering how good, I mean, maybe he was just playing on a good Florida team, right? That's probably it. I don't really think he's a seventy-point player yeah. every well, every season, yeah. right? The I mean, Ottawa things, was what they were as well, so yeah. give a pass there. And keep in mind, he's thirty-two now, right? He's also yeah, thirty-two. So um, he did play in Florida, right, early in his career. Went back to the KHL, collect some paychecks, came, you know, back to Florida, and you know, it's had some success. But my theory is, is if they need, right, if if Vegas needs to get under the cap before the playoffs, my assumption is probably, you know, Riley Smith is the odd man out here, right? He's a pending UFA at the end of the year, $5 million contract, probably going to want maybe some money, probably can't give it to him. You know, Braden McNabb on defense, he's probably the one that eats it as well, right? Pending UFA, not much money, but, you know, that clears about $7.5 million off the book. You can, you know, fit things under the cap that you need to fit. Yeah, if if needed. Um, yeah, I mean, 
before we move on to the games tomorrow, I, I just happened to notice that uh, DFS hero Troy Terry scored another goal. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I had him in the Tim. I had him in the Tim Hortons picks today. By the way, hundred percent. Troy Terry is just. I don't know what's in the water over there, but <laughs> I mean, good talk about for making, him. Yeah, talk about making good on a fifth round pick, right? Troy Terry, great. Ducks ended up winning that game too. Like that's, I mean, I thought they would be okay, but I mean, St. Louis. I guess I, I didn't watch the game, so I mean, I'm just looking at box scores, kind of trying to see what it is there. But I don't. I mean, Jordan Bennington didn't really get worked down tonight. Uh, that didn't happen. John Gibson fell one shot shy of the save, uh, 35 plus save bonus. Um, so that's unfortunate, <laughs> but I mean, you kind of wonder, I guess for St. Louis, like how much of that, you know, like how much of that COVID, you know, hurt him. Oh, yeah. in reality, I, mean, I don't think much. I mean, they had players in the lineup. I, I, I think Shen was the only, you know, "Quote unquote regular that's out of the lineup." Pavel Buchnevich played. Ryan O'Reilly was in the lineup. Tarasenko was there. Peron was there. You know, Brandon Saad was there. Like most of the big boys that you needed to be there were there. And this is the kind of performance you got against a, again, an Anaheim team that continues to just stick around and remind us that they are there. Yeah, I think Anaheim is a team that is a lot better than people think they are, right? Like, um, oh, for sure. They've lost a bunch of games by a goal. I think they had like, they had, like four or five straight games where they had lost by a goal. Um, and they also sh- have a whole bunch of players who are just not playing well. Like, Max Kontwa yeah. hasn't scored a goal this season. He's had zero points, right? I mean, Jamie Drysdale is not doing much. He's kind well, of just existing yeah. there and then you have you know good old kevin shattenkirk's coming out here just pumping points and you're going wait what like what year is it like like where like where am i like what planet do i live on now and he's just he's turned back the clock here and he's just gone out here and well, yeah he, has... he had 15 points last season all of last year he's up to 12 in 12 games like he's a, like he's he's not going to finish a point per game player obviously um because he's shooting 16 percent and his career average is five so regression is yeah. coming for kevin shattenkirk i think we can understand that we know the role that he plays and what he does but I yeah mean, but like you look at this team right so like troy terry has 13 points in 11 games kevin shattenkirk yeah. 12 and 12 adam henrique also back from the dead 11 and 12 games. Ryan Getzlaff, 11 and 12 games. Isaac Lundstrom, 9 and 12. Jacob Silverberg, 8 and 9. Cam Fowler, 8 and 12. Like, where are these guys coming from? It's like Zegras is the, like, you look at the guys that everyone expected, right? Zegras, 5 yeah. and 11. Ricard Raquel, 4 and 8. Drysdale, 4 and 12. Um, yeah, I don't think this is, I mean, this certainly isn't how anyone drew it up, but I mean, it's working. Nope. Like, Troy Terry scored his eighth goal of the season, which is A, a career high for him now. He's played 11 games, right? He's got eight goals in 12 yeah. games. Uh, right? He had seven all of last season. Like, he is on pace to completely smash 
you know, his totals. Again, Troy Terry is shooting 29%, and that's probably gone up not counting this game. So regression will come, but still I mean, no, it's it's still it's still really, really good. And it still like doesn't explain the Anaheim Ducks because again, like you like you say, like this is not a team that should have been very, very good. They're dealing with injuries. And yet here they are just existing and making a push in the Pacific Division. I mean, the thing is that third spot's going to be what's up to grabs, right? Assuming Calgary just kind of keeps gliding because they are, and McDavid will drag the Oilers to the top spot of that division. <laughs> I mean, that third spot is up for grabs if Vegas can't grab it, right? Yeah. And I don't think the Sharks are a very good team. You know, the Kings, the Kraken, and, you know, the Canucks are just awful. Um, so Anaheim's got a chance here. They really do. And that's weird and also somewhat satisfying. Yeah, well, I mean, what goes up must come down. What goes, what goes down must come up, right? Like, that's that's always how this stuff works. Uh, I mean, my, I, I, there's two ways I feel like I can look at Anaheim right now, right? They're 6-4-3. and three. I think they could easily have a better record than that, if not for a little bit of bad luck. Um, but they're five and two at home, five two and one. They've won four straight. Uh, you look at LA. LA's won four straight as well. They're now five five and one. Like as much as, as I think the thought is, is that like you know the two wild cards are going to come out of the central. Yeah, I don't know if 100%. that's a. I don't know if that's a guarantee, right? Because one of the things that happens when you have better teams all in one division is they play each other more, and somebody has to lose those games. So when you have an easier division, right? Like, I think it's a lot easier for that, you know, a fourth team to slip in because you end up with a bunch of bottom dwellers, and suddenly you're like, oh, all right, yeah, we'll easily, we, we can get to 95 points or whatever the... You know, they that could ends up needing to be. But you look at the Colorado Avalanche who have underperformed up till now, right? I think we can say that yeah. know, fairly, fairly certain that they just haven't been to where they need to be. And they've dealt with some injuries as what. Um, the same thing with the Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars don't score goals, right? Like, I don't understand how they've gotten to this point, but they are here. The Predators are where they are. The Predators could be, again, another team that gets dragged into there because their goalie's good. I still think those teams are going to come out of the central just because, you know, I think the blues, the jets and the wild are legit teams. I really do think that they are good teams and they're going to get there because they can. And then that leaves Colorado having to, you know, figure their stuff out. Right. And, you know, are, are the stars better than the ducks? Yeah. I, I really do think so. I think overall the stars are a better hockey team. <clears throat> they should be doing more than scoring, you know, Coming into tonight, they scored 22 goals in 10 games. Like, that, you look at that lineup, and you're saying, "Hey, like, there's some people making some bank here. Like, what are we doing? Like, what's yeah? You what's scored happening. You scored three more goals than Arizona. Yeah, I mean Arizona. I mean, shout out to Arizona, absolutely pummeling uh, Seattle. So that's how you know both teams are expansion teams. But Dallas should be much better than what they are now. And I don't know what it is in Dallas, what's in the water, but 
I mean, maybe it's time we just play the best players together. Like, let's get let's get everybody on the same line here, doing what they need to do, and we'll be fine. Yeah. Like I'm t- like it's so hard to stag in DFS the Dallas Stars because everybody is like up and down the lineup playing with who knows what. Like I don't want to play Erotic Foxo, right? With like <laughs> Radulov, I don't want to do that, right? Like yeah. I don't want to have to you know play Joe Pavelski, but he's you know pinned down on the fourth line with Blake Como. Like I don't want to do that, you know. That's not. That's not the strategy I try to employ. Same thing with their power play unit. I don't know why we don't just don't have. I'm waiting for Dallas to go with the five forwards on the power play. Like I think if any team could get it done, it would probably be them. I well, have enough responsibility to make it work. I, I would actually argue that Dallas might be the only team or among the few teams that could actually go back to two defensemen on the power play. <laughs> like John Klingberg and Miro Heiskanen are both very capable offensive defensemen. Very much so. So, like, if there's a team that absolutely shouldn't be going to five forwards, I would think that's it. I mean, the problem, I mean, the problem in Dallas is that their best players are just not being the best players. And, like, I guess the question is, like, you know, Sagan's had dealt with a lot of injuries. He had major hip surgery. Like, is he going to get back to the player he was? Rupe hints was a revelation last year was that a fluke or is that the real player jason robertson's been good since he's come back from injury so very much so i I think there's reason to buy into that and you know gurianov and radulov are kind of the exact same player in a lot of ways uh they'll shoot the puck a lot they'll you know they'll, they'll throw their body around when the things are going well, they both score goals. But to me, they feel like Kurianov's like the younger version of Radulov. So he is. But I mean, at the end of the day, like that's a like you throw in Pavelski, that's a pretty decent top six, right? It is, which is kind of shocking that you you know you open up the box score, you look at them, and you say, wait a minute, like coming into tonight. They have 22. The Coyotes have 19, and the Coyotes don't score on anybody, with the exception of the Seattle Kraken. But again, you know, it's Seattle. Like I, mean, I turned on that game, by the way, yesterday. Seattle and Arizona. There were three goals on three shots, right? Mm-hmm. And then here comes Scott Wedgwood, and I was like, okay, well, this is like, you know, what those two terrible teams in your beer hockey league play, and it's just goals galore. Like that's. That's what it was. Like I couldn't, like I couldn't understand how Arizona scored goals. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. I had Philip Grubauer over twenty four and a half saves, <laughs> and that did not work out at all. Um, well, that was that a- worked out much better than my Karel Vamelka over any number of saves. Yeah, I mean, sure, <laughs> but I mean. Again, when you look at first of all, because what we talked about is like we didn't think the Coyotes could even get there, right? Like we like yeah. there was a chance they could not get to that number. But then you look at the players who were scoring yesterday and you're like, wait, what? Like Lawson Krause had two. And you're like, all right, all right, Phil the Thrills got a second of the season. And you're like, okay, Travis Boyd 
Like, who are these? Like, what's going on here? How are we just mailing it in, Philip Grubauer? Like, we just took the night off. We're like, forget it. Yeah. We don't need this kind of thing, right? Like, he he faced one shot on the power play, right? Like, down a man, right? And he didn't stop it. He finished with a 7.73 save percentage. And he was just, you know, god-awful. Scott Wedgwood came in, and he, you know, is a living, breathing human being, so good for him. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, by the way, picked up his first point of the season. A round of applause to Jacob Chikrin finally getting it in. He's on pace for, like, six points this year, so that's kind of fun. Um, Shane Gossespierre has, I guess, revitalized his career here. Uh, he's got nine points in 12 games. That's wild, um, considering the team that he plays on. Um, but yeah, that game was just, it was hard to watch. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can only imagine that. I mean, like, got a lot of bravery being willing to turn that one on. But, uh, like, I willingly opened, right, NHL.com and clicked watch now. <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't think people outside of playing daily fantasy hockey understand what that's like to willingly click on it and say, yes, I'll do that. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, anyways, uh, we've got, we'll move ahead and take a look at, uh, at tomorrow's slate. Uh, it, it's a bit of an interesting one. We got Buffalo at Washington, Florida, uh, at the Rangers and the Kings, um, think the kings are in toronto uh face the maple leaves so uh i don't even necessarily so i mean first of all goalies just probably don't play one tomorrow uh maybe well i mean i don't know i I guess if i had to pick off the top of my head i would take whoever's starting in washington i think that's the safest situation um if i'm playing a cash game in a GPP, I would probably take Cal Peterson. Like, I'll take my chances. Like, the Kings have won four in a row. Uh, I think the Leafs have won five in a row. But just, uh, I think with the way that, like, LA's lineup's built, right, when you've got, in this situation, they have this kind of a little bit of a unique advantage in the sense that, like, okay, we can use Kopitar against you know, Matthews and we can use Deneau against Tavares if if we want to go that way or vice versa, if you will. Um, so part of me feels like that could be a sneaky game where like taking Cal Peterson is something that can really work out for you. Um, I'm going to play that's... Zach Fukali tomorrow, by the way. I just throw it out <laughs> yeah, there right just, there. Yeah. He's mid price on he's mid price on DraftKings, hundred percent chance he does not play. Uh, I mean a zero at that point in goaltending is probably better than some of the options that are here. Um yeah. But the other part about this is like where are you going to spend that money? Right? Like Florida is gonna be without uh potentially without Barkov and Bennett, right? You're getting Sam Reinhardt at 4,400, which probably feels like a steal. He's got to play a lot of minutes. Um, you obviously have Ovechkin on the slate, right? He's 9,200 tomorrow on DraftKings. But, like, 
I don't know. I just feel like there's a wide or there's not a huge range of outcomes in this, right? Like I feel like, I mean, the Rangers got run over by, uh, by the flames after like literally getting their heart broken in two straight games. They got it. Um, not even, they got embarrassed in Alberta. Yeah. Embarrassed. Like they were a no show against Calgary and then McDavid just sucked their soul out. <laughs> like you're not yeah. coming back. Like, when, when that goal, when, when McDavid scored that tie goal, like you knew they were not coming back. Like they were not okay. going into overtime winning. They they should have just like conceded the goal and just gone home and saved themselves. Like you knew it. Yeah. But like, okay, so now they come home and they get to play the 10 0 and 1 Panthers. Yeah. Right? Like part of me is like, you know what? I think Shesterkin is really good goalie and i think this is like i think he's capable of keeping them in this game the other part of me is like they're still quote-unquote licking their wounds and like maybe florida just like florida scored like 10 goals in their last two games so like it wouldn't be a surprise for them to kind of walk in like oh yeah like florida walks in scores 5-1 um but the question with Florida is often, well, who is scoring the goals? Because it's been very, like, I think it's been pretty spread out for that. It's team. been very spread out. I mean, even Huberto in his last game, right? You think about it, Carolina's a good team, yeah. But I mean, he put up a donut, flat out yeah. donut, no goals, no shots, no block shots, no nothing. And he's got a ten. Like he he doesn't shoot the puck very much, which is sometimes the downfall on him. But I mean, he does enough to kept to the floor usually um and that hasn't been the case right and i think tomorrow even though like ovechkin is like i mean he's still he has 51 shots in the last 10 games like he's just pummeling the net with shots he has hit um the shot bonus here like consistently in the last six games five or more shots just easy ovechkin stuff um, his price tag is obviously elevated. How he didn't score against Martin Jones is beyond me, but um, you know, here we are. And I think there's enough value on the slate that you can afford to get that one price, you know, that that one expensive player in. I, I'm not going to pay up for Matthews. I don't want Matthews has to go up against Kopitar. Good luck. Uh, I mean, we said that against Bergeron, but I think Kopitar, again, is on a whole other planet right now. I don't feel comfortable spending up for any of those you know, more expensive players. So I guess I'll, you know, scroll down the list here and look at players like you say, Sam Reinhardt and stuff like that and try to pencil my centers together with that and then look to spend a little bit more on the wingers. My defensemen are, you know, I think maybe Aaron Ekblad gets a workout tomorrow. Um, you know, the Rangers can shoot. Aaron Ekblad at 6,500 also seems like a little bit of a free ride here. So, um, that's kind of nice as well. I'll try to target maybe another value defenseman, right? Kale Clay is just continuing to find his way into the playbook um, because he's got three points in four games, and honestly, he's breathing, and that's all we need, and he's playing top powerful minutes. That continues to be the case. Cool. Uh, and then in goal, again, I mean, I don't know, man. I hate every goalie on the slate. So we'll see which one is not as garbage as the other one and play that like jack campbell's in a good spot but you know is he going to be mega chalk probably 
Yeah, and it, does he see enough shots to to hit value? Correct. Like he saw a lot against Boston. Boston, I feel like, is a team that can kind of wire the puck as well. Um, but I mean, I'm not paying up for Vanisek or Samsonov. I don't think that's fair. I I think Buffalo could actually score a couple of goals in this in that game easily. Um, I think Shesterkin is kind of beat up if he gets the start. Gorgiev's not in a great one. Uh, Spencer Knight could be the only other option, I guess. But again, going against a good Rangers team kind of scares me. And I mean, Cal Pedersen's got his workout, right? That team in front of him in LA is good. I don't know if they're going to be able to really contain, you know, all of Toronto there because Tavares is playing better. Uh, Marner's playing better. You know, once that team starts to get going, you start to get into a little bit of a trouble. So there's n- maybe one goalie that I appreciate, which is soup. And then everybody else is kind of like, hey, we don't like we don't have to do this. You know, we don't like we don't have to go down this route. Just. Maybe just take us take a zero and say, hey, somebody else will do what I need to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking I just quickly threw together a lineup here on DraftKings just to see how the money would play out. And I was like, if I'm willing to do Cal Peterson in goal, right, 7,400, I can do Reinhardt and Strom at center. I can do Ovechkin, Duclair, and for Hagee on the wing. Uh, Patrick Nemeth, block, shot-blocking machine. Uh, and Aaron Eckblad on the fence. And I follow as my utility. So yeah, I'm like, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Reinhardt's going to center Duclair and Verhage, but Duclair and Verhage have the most points. Uh, they seem to play together, and they've got the most points in the last week uh, for Florida. Uh, that's not named Brandon Montour, and I'm not going to bet on Brandon Montour's success of continuing to put up points. That's fair. I, would um, say. I mean, that said, on. Uh, in a GPP, something like that. I'd be willing to roll the dice on that. But um, yeah, like right now, Daily Faceoff has uh, E2 Lusaterinen uh, on the top line right now with Verhege and Duclair. Uh, whether they see top line minutes is a different question. You got Anton Lindell with Huberto and Tippett, and then uh, Reinhardt with Vitrano and Maxine Mammon. So I don't know if it'll play out that way. Um, I think you'll probably see like the centers kind of move up and down quite a bit. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're still getting Reinhardt on the top power play. Um, but the problem ultimately being that like somehow Duclair does not get any power play time. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, I think Florida is a team you can look at uh, if you want to play it play the idea that the Rangers uh, don't come out and play well. Um, or if you won't play the idea that Florida's just hands down the best team in the league, I think either of those narratives will lead you to a situation where you want to play quite a bit of Florida. Uh, and I think you're kind of avoiding the chalk there too. Like I don't think you're going to see tons of – Ekblad might see a lot of ownership at his price, but otherwise I don't think you're going to see anything crazy there. Uh, Ovechkin's Ovechkin on a three games to play, like you might as well play like a like eat the chalk on that because you, if he, you know, if he has two goals and five shots and you're not on that, 
I don't know where those the rest of those goals yeah, are you're, from. You're hard to come back. Like he's had a couple of games where he's like he's close to value. I mean, the, right? Obviously, the game against Tampa Bay, the game against Philadelphia didn't work. Right? Nowhere close yeah. to value. Florida and Arizona. Obviously, he ate Detroit. He was kind of there, which was good, which was wild because you could get him at eighty two hundred dollars against Detroit. What a time to be alive! Um, but I mean, I I just don't want to be on the other side of Ovechkin, right? I understand he's he could go out and just torment Buffalo, right? We said the same thing about him tormenting the Flyers, but you know, I mean, Buffalo defensively not really that great. This game is also, you know at home for them as well. I think Ovi's going to be more in a position where, I mean, he still finished with six shots and he was invisible for what? I mean, two periods. Yeah. Like he would like those shots didn't come early. Right. So then at one point they kind of figured out, they said, Hey, just, you know, keep shooting and maybe something will happen. Um, he's also seeing over 22 minutes of ice time consistently in the last five games. Like he is just on the ice all the time. For a forward, that is wild because we know Ovechkin's not out there to play defense, right? That's not right. his specialty. He's out there to pummel the puck. Um, and again, it's, I mean, it's tough paying up for him because like Marner's next at 75. Like the gap between Ovechkin and the next is high. But I mean, I don't, I don't see how I don't want to pay for him, right? Kind of thing. Right. Like, I'm yeah, not sure. I don't like, what's my second option, right? Panarin, I think. Like, I don't. Martin just said. Shoot. He's got. Mar- he, he just doesn't shoot the puck, and I'm not taking a zero on him. He's just not getting to value enough. Uh, like, he's point dependent. Yeah. And at that point, like, I'd paid. I'd save $500 and play Chris Kreider. Well, the way I see Panarin is that, like, he's not shooting the puck right now. He is a player with a history of doing it, though. I mean, he's got at least he's hit four shots in the last three games, at least, right? So, like, it, if you're gonna shoot the upside, right? Like, I would rather pay sixty nine hundred for Panarin than pay seventy five hundred for Marner. Marner shoots even way less. I mean, I'm typically. also not playing Marner, so that right, exactly. <laughs> but like, kind of, yeah. I mean, you play Huberto at sixty one hundred. Okay, you can go down to that eight hundred. I might just keep going all the way down. Look at other, like, you know, you talk Dustin about Brown. Carter, Ver, you know, you talked about Carter. No, Dustin Go Brown doesn't need to be in my lineup. <laughs> Get out of here. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. But I'll go all the way down to, like, you know, Carter Verhage, 49. Yeah. You can get some, you know, you know, some you Rasmus, and, you know, some yeah. Rasmus Asklund in, into your lineup. You know, he's yeah. there. He's collecting points, unfortunately. He's, you know, he's got seven points in the last five games. Okay, cool. You know, his price tag refuses to be over 4K. All right, I'll Adrian, do it. Yeah. Adrian you know? Kempe, who's got yes. points in three straight. He's got uh, 11 shots in his last three games. Yeah, like there's there's a ton there's a ton of like cheap, affordable players, you know, out of, you know, that I don't feel that, like I can balance out saying, hey, I'll pay up. Pearl Vetchkin. Yeah. I feel like there's enough, especially on these short three game slates, right? Like there's there's a ton of variance right there. And I mean, again, the center core is just I'm not paying up for any of those big boys there. So I'm gonna go even farther down and look, like I said, for value and see maybe if some lineups move up, right? I, you know, if Lou Star Reinen actually plays center on that top line, well, I mean, 
Well, yeah, either, cool. even if you want to go to, like, even if you want to play Anton Lindell, right? Like, 3,200, yeah. uh, you know he's, like, I wouldn't be afraid to take uh, Lundell and Owen Tippett. Right. In a GPP, right? Like, you got the stack. You say, all right, if if Huberto gets it done five on five, they're going to be there. They're going to get points. And somebody's got to shoot the puck. Right? Like, you could make the case for that being what happens. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think you can get, like, Connor Michael. I think, is getting the second line minutes for for the Capitals. He's got points in two straight. Doesn't shoot a lot. But, I mean, if you're going to roll the dice, you might as well roll it cheap, right? As opposed to when you've got a better chance of hitting the floor and spending it up on somebody like like Ovechkin. So, yeah. I just don't want to be on the wrong side of Ovechkin. I feel like he... Like, he's got, like, like he put up no goals, and he's, like, you know, he's going to pull, like, a Michael Jordan and say, like, I took that personally, and now he's going to destroy the Buffalo Sabres because they're there. You know, they're just yeah. the next team in line. And I think the other risk there is that, like, Buffalo slowly starts to turn back into being Buffalo. Yeah, like, let's, like, let's be honest. Let's say Dustin Tokarski gets that start, right? Like, bro. Like I already feel bad for him, you know. Like Craig Anderson probably isn't is is a no go here. Um, I mean, I don't, I can't name the third starting. I mean, oh, sorry, you, I think you can't what, say Luka Pekka I, I mean, no, <laughs> no, I can't, <laughs> I can't, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel like I need to know uh, the next one. Aaron Dell, though, I think is is he a uh, Buffalo Saber now? I don't, I. Don't know if he's still he. They signed him, but I don't know if he's still there. Uh, I feel like the third guy is probably going to be Kapekalukinen. Anyways, we don't need to know who the third guy in Buffalo but, is because you should retire that thought the minute you get there. But if Dustin Tokarski gets that start and now he's got to go up against Ovechkin, like Tokarski's come down a little bit down to earth, which is normal because it's Dustin Tokarski, right? He's got one win this season, right? His save percentage is good. Like he's he's facing rubber, right? So the wins are not there. And again, it's just, the you know, it is what it is. But I mean, he gave up four to Seattle. He gave up four to Detroit. He also gave up three to L.A. So, <laughs> you know, I just I'm a little bit worried about what a Alex Ovechkin could do to Tukarski on a night like like he's like Ovechkin is just going to set up and start wiring it. And that's yeah. going to be dangerous, right? Like, but like Buffalo's going to take a penalty. Obi's going to go to the office, and it's just going to start wiring pucks. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think that the uh, Ovechkin's going to have a lot of chalk in this type of slate. But yeah, in, in this in three games, you can't avoid. Which is well, I, I don't think it, I wouldn't advise it. I wouldn't advise it because like. If you're not spending up for him, you're gonna have to. Who are you spending up on, right? Is is it Matthews? He's not shooting enough. Yeah, he scored two goals in the last game, so maybe things are starting to turn around. But I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't think I'm quite 
don't think I'm quite there yet with Austin Matthews. It'll happen. I'll come around. I mean, he does have three straight two-point games. He did shoot six times against against Boston. He shot six times against Vegas. So that's two out of three. Uh, he's getting some blocks. Yeah, maybe Matthews is worth his price tag. You could look at it. Maybe you oh, maybe you want to look at double stacking, or not sorry, not double stacking, but like taking both parts of the chalk and hoping that that's your advantage. Is that like people won't pay up for both because they'll feel like. Oh, it's too much money spent on two players, but like we talked about the value you can find in the slate, so you could go about it that way as well if you wanted. Um, I mean, I've had that personally play out well. Usually, it's when I like stack guys. Uh, like you'll see if you do like a, a McDavid Drysaddle stack that you gain like fifty percent difference in like sometimes in what like the ownership looks like you get a lot of Colorado if you take uh McKinnon and and Rantanen that like just when you have those percentages and put them together like if they're not the same you you instantly have some advantage because you know that there's like you know, one percentage minus the other is the total percentage of the field that could possibly have both those guys they both have three point nights or four point nights or you know big nights in general you're, you're going to be in the money on that. So, anyways, yeah, I, I think that I think that could be viable. Um, it's tough when you're putting down basically like what about a third of your of your salary on two players, but uh, you it's not ideal, high. right? But it, yeah, it's not ideal. But it, if you can find value, in, especially in goal, that's usually where you're going to have to make it up. Um, you can do it. It takes a little bit of brain power. Yeah. And and some willingness to take some, you know, take a take a few risks. But yeah, I mean I I'm able to put it together without too much trouble, I think. Let's see here. And yeah, you're just down to like a couple, like you're gonna need some mint players here. Which again, still very possible to do. Not impossible. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, you just gotta get creative. There we go. So that puts me down to Matthew Strom, Kempe, Ovechkin, Owen Tippett, Patrick Nemeth, uh, Aaron Eckblad, Cal Peterson, and Anton Lindell. Not terrible. Yep. And you can see an avenue where it works out. It's tough. Those slates like that, those short ones there, and when you got like one player that's, you know, head and, you know, head shoulders above just good or like out of the price range, right? Like, I, I guess it's, you know, on that slate, you know, it's Matthews, it's Ovechkin, right? You're not playing both. You're playing one or the other. And then the rest are just kind of like above the average price. But I mean, if you're spending yeah. nine on one, right, you got to find what? At least two value plays. If not one, oh, yeah. another Three. one, because, yeah, because, I mean, your goalie is usually, you know, you need one value play because you got a goalie in the lineup. And then, well, oh, now I've also paid up for Ovechkin, so. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I feel good about the Kempe play. I don't necessarily, like, I feel pretty good about the Lindell play. I like Owen Tippett as a player, but, like, does, he's probably going to have to score, right? 
at least get on the score sheet to uh, to for it to work out. But uh, it's not impossible, right? Like, and that's the thing. And this is the one thing I would probably bring back to anyone who's playing. Like, if you can come up with a reason why you're going to play, use the player, then you can use the player. Yeah. Simple as that, right? Like, sometimes information is what you need. Sometimes the information doesn't help, doesn't pan out, right? Um, I mean, I looked at a who was winning in GPPs yesterday, and it was like, oh, you stacked like Detroit and uh, like, I don't remember who the other team was. I mean, you should have been stacking Detroit anyways, right? Because I told you to, so. Yeah, um, but like, I, I'm just looking at it from like the percentages standpoint when you had like a big slate and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, odds are that uh, I'll double stack Detroit and Seattle and that's, uh, that will, that'll get it done. I just, Two teams. It's and... tough to go down that route, though. Like, the less right. not. Like, oh, yeah. You know, you're like massive slate and you're staring at Seattle and Detroit and you're like, you know, you're questioning some of your life choices at that point. But I mean, hey, numbers and numbers and value are there. I, I, I put it in the playbook. I said, the only thing I care about is value. That's it. I don't care about, you know, if he's good or not, if it's a sexy player or not, if it makes sense. I only care about value, right? Is he going to get to the point where I need him to get? Yes or no. And if he does, perfect. He's done his job, right? Bottom tier players, right, or cheaper players, all you need is for them to exist, right? They need to just do what they need to do, and everybody's going to be happy. So, Again, yeah. right? Sometimes, you know, getting to where they need to get is getting you, I don't know, six, seven points. Right? Yeah. If you got a min player at 26, you know, 2,600, if he gets you seven to eight points, he's done more than, you know, more than he, he needed to do. Just go out and, you know, buy a piece. Don't worry about it. Sometimes it's, it's not about hitting the, the massive piece, right? It's about saying, hey, can I get this player to do, you know, what I need him to do. Can he get me to the point where he returns value? Because if all your players return value, right? Honestly, especially in a GPP, if you're over exceeding value, you're going to cash, win. right? Do you oh, win? Yeah, for sure. Like, do you, do, you, do you take it down the GPP? Maybe not. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you are making money, I mean, then you're good. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why we love uh cheap the, the cheap guys are good blocks right that's that's why like you use patrick nemeth that's why I, like you use that's uh, where i start David I, right <laughs> i oh, open yeah. the dk defenseman tab and i start scrolling right down i'm like all right what's happening here <laughs> yeah and i mean that's why i'm also like i've just started like posting those players in 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 our discord right like get up in the morning go Grab all the players, pull the numbers. Who's averaging two and a half blocks or more? Let's play it tonight. There you go. There you go. That's that's exactly what we're looking for. How right? how can I get to value? Don't worry about how many. You know, is he going to hit maximum score? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do yeah. that? That's not. It's that's not, not how you're building it. No, yeah. exactly. Can he get to value? Yes. Let your superstars do the superstar work. Right. Let your Ovechkins total the big points right let them get to where they need to get those are the players even that at that price tag do you think he can hit this number right if so 
then there's value there, right? You're a little bit safer with Ovechkin because you know that he's just going to keep beating that piece of rubber onto the net, right? And if he picks up a couple of points here and there, he's gold. Yeah. But again, it's a lot harder, I would say, for some of those, you know, those lower tier players because obviously you got to dig in. They're very inconsistent, right? Your 3K guy is going to let you down more often than not, man. So, yeah, if you're expecting, if you need the points, right? Like, it's just not not realistic. I touted Noah Dobson and Scott Mayfield on the Sunday slate. Why? Chasing blocks, man. Chasing blocks. That's it. If they get blocks and they buy, I mean, I don't know if they collected a point. Probably not because it's not what I need them to do. But, I mean, if they, you know, if even just one point there between the two of them, probably both collectively hit value, which is all I need. And then I let the rest of my lineup kind of, you know, figure it out. Yeah. They didn't pick up any points. I checked. They just existed. But, I mean... Mayfield had what? He had four blocks, so he gets the block shot bonus on DraftKings, right? Uh, yeah. Off night for Noah Dobson, right? He's got one block, so he lets me down on one end. But, you know, hey, for 3,200, again, you live with, you know, you live with it. And I guess the blocks went the other way. I mean, Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick, they each blocked four shots. So, I mean, there was a ton of blocks in this game. For the Islanders, which kind of makes sense. I think the Wild just started to, you know, pepper some pucks towards the net, and that worked out well for them. But, again, don't be afraid to just chase value. That's the only thing that's important, value. Everything else, optional. Yeah. I think the thing that makes it difficult for many people is understanding value. Um, Like, what does somebody have to do at a specific price point? Like, it it gets to be a little bit hyperbolic. and I understand that because, I mean, it, sometimes it's hard to define, right? Like, well, what's what's the value of one goal? What's the value of, you know, of these things? But I would try to, like, think of it more generally in the idea of, like, if you're going to buy the top player on, on the slate, right? You need them to be the top player on the slate, right? Like Ovechkin being the example. If you pay, yeah. pay 9200 for Ovechkin tomorrow, it gives you five shots. It's not enough. It's nice. Yeah. Like you got ten points out of it. That's great. But like, you got to make up his points probably somewhere else. Uh, as you move down, you know, down the price chain, it just gets more difficult to do that. So, um, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that that's how I see it. Um, I mean, I think we're obviously on the same page with how these things work at this point in time. So, um, that said, we should wrap things up here. Um, Chris, enjoy your time in Vegas. Uh, My best. I don't know. Uh, I may just do do a solo podcast next week uh, while you're gone, uh, or I may not do it. We'll. I will uh, talk it over with the powers of be. So. Uh, Thanks for listening if you made it this far. And uh, as always, you can find us in the Discord. uh, And uh, best of luck this week.